Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is your host, Lorraine Nightheart, and you have reached Venus Unplugged. And what we do uh, during these episodes is we discover the various expressions of Venus, both archetypally through myth, through art, through psyche, psychology. And so this is a place where the wounded Venus within uh, can find some inspiration and knowledge to accept the task of becoming a wise heart. So we're going for Venus and wisdom. As you know, the last uh, several um, episodes have been about Inanna, Queen of Heaven and Earth, oldest myth on this planet and I thought well, you know she's about to make her ascent from the underworld with her dark sister Arishka Gal and I thought it might be uh, wise to uh, give a little review here because there's a lot going on this is a real cliffhanger this one now these myths or all myths is a psychic reality it's not something that's just made up uh, people will say, well, you know, that's from your imagination. Well, blessed be, because the imagination is the part of us, the image-making part of us. If we can't create an image, it will have no life. It will just be sterile, no libido, nothing. So we need uh, images and symbols are make meaning. That's how man makes meaning. So, Arishka Gal, okay, that is, uh, I now know, is queen of heaven and earth. She finds her honey man, Dumuzi. I love saying that because it's a kissing, the Dumuzi. And um, she, after she has her encounter with her honey man, she listens to the below and she willingly goes into the underworld for her uh, initiation rite. So Inanna's like on the ball, man. She just, each step of the way, she intuits. It's time for a shift. It is time for an awakening, whatever it might be. And she goes often with a sense of abandon. Now, anytime there's abandon, when we can abandon ourselves to uh, the beloved, to an idea, to uh, something within ourselves. We, we give up ego. We're, we're, we, we go with the fullness of our being, completely unknowing. So um, she's not completely unknowing. Before she does her little tour of duty in the underworld, she asks her uh, faithful friend and servant, uh, you know, if she doesn't come back in three days, you better broker a deal and come down and get me. So she's she's not silly, but she she goes with a sense of abandon, which is always a good attitude to have uh, when we are going to approach a change in our life, especially when we're going to approach the unknown within ourselves. It's like, hey, man, you know, today's a good a day as any to die, meaning the ego that is always up there. Yeah, but what about me? It's like, well... There's a much bigger universe going on. So Arishka Gal, in some respects, is Lilith. You know, 
uh, Lilith, the, the the first wife of Adam. The first wife always knows. Uh, even if she's crazy, that doesn't mean she doesn't know the truth. I love that. I was like, well, she's crazy. It's like, so crazy can still see the truth. Just sees it in a different color. All right. So she, in some respects, is Lilith. She ruthlessly destroys all that is not of our true individuality or appropriate life path. So that's the Lilith within and the encounter with Lilith without. She will not lead us to our goal by revealing uh, what it is, but rather by eliminating everything that it is not. So very often on the road to consciousness awakening or love of self and others, of heaven and the below all things, it's through deductive reasoning. We don't know what we want, but we certainly know what we don't want. And in the not knowing, uh, everything gets torn away. So that's an aspect of Lilith. She she blows everything apart, and we're left standing with what is true to our being. So the black aspect of Lilith closes all the wrong doors that face us. So you know the old saying, one door closes. Well, you know, sometimes it's the wrong door. Not every door is the right door. Or the correct door for that encounter. Sometimes we want to go through a revolving door. Why does this keep on happening? Because you're in a revolving door. Stop knocking on that door. Or listen to Lilith. It's been closed. Your prayer has been answered. The divine has said no. Done. And then we can grow. So the black Lilith in us will accept nothing less than our own true individuality. And it's not in the sense of uh, separateness, but it's in the sense of who we intrinsically are. That's also the Venus energy. Who are we? What is that that makes us different but also part of the whole? And when we are secure in acknowledging and expressing our true self, we don't have to falsify ourselves in order to be accepted by others. So uh, Rishkidik El uh, instructs Neti, who's her servant and handmaiden, uh, and Neti represents the fact that she wants Ainana to experience what it is to be rejected, to enter the royal chamber bowed low. So then Ainana, in the fullness of her abandon, all right. So she, as she's making her descent, seven stages of this descent, which also represents the seven chakras. So the removal of Inanna's crown, the first of her protective me, the me are the laws, kind of the Ten Commandments of Sumerian world. And uh, so the crown symbolically deprives her of her godhead her connection with heaven. The small lapis beads from her ears, her sense of magic and ability to manifest, which is interesting because all jewelry at one point was made as uh, protections, talismans and protections. So there's uh, the ancients would say that when we lose an earring, uh, we've been protected against 
evil. There's been evil or gossiping or something, and we we lose the earring because uh, earrings protect us from listening to evil or being affected by it. All right. And then the double strand of beads about her neck and her rapture of illumination, her golden breastplate uh, called Come, Man, Come, her emotional heart, her ringed hip girdle is her ego. From her hand, the lapis measuring rod and line is her will. Her garment of ladyship which is the breech cloth, is her sex role. Each represents in order the Kundalini chakras. Inanna is thus forced to give up her earthly attributes, her role as queen and high priestess and woman, and her royal power. Her priestly office and her sexual powers are to be of no avail in the underworld. Remember, She's told again and again with each removal, Ainana, the way of the underworld is perfect. So when we're going through a crisis, whatever that might be, the way of the unconscious is perfect. It knows exactly what it's doing. We're clueless, but it knows. So it's being able to trust that part. The ego cannot trust it because the ego doesn't have access not only to one's personal unconscious but to the collective unconscious, which is the book of all life, which is billions of years old. All right. Now, so uh, she gives all of that up and then she's got to uh, go to the judges of the underworld and uh, Arishka Del takes one look at her and kind of smacks her and then hangs her on a meat hook to just hang there while we rot. And we all know that feeling of just boredom or just rotting there or, you know, we can blame it on age and we're getting wrinkles. We feel like we're rotting, uh, which actually, if we can tolerate it, that rotting, it's the transformation and in uh, alchemy, it's called putref- putrefactio. It's all, but it's transforming. So, Nesnabar is the one who is uh, the one who brokers a deal for Inanna to get out of the underworld. Nesnabar waits for three days. Inanna was considered to be the daughter of the moon. Thus, three days may be the dark of the moon. And that's also, once again, why it's, if you can, give whatever issue or problem you're struggling with, uh, 72 hours. 72 is the number nine. It's also the three stages of the moon. Uh, and uh, you're going to see things differently if you just let it be and let it cook there a little bit. You'll have a different take on life. So the grief is expressed, and Ainana's paternal grandfather, Enlil, is uh, the one who helps 
broker the deal to get Inanna out from the underworld. So they send these two little uh, non-ego, like little beasties, but, you know, they don't have any ego, they don't have any identity, and they're capable of uh, empathizing and suffering with Ariska Gal, which is what she wants, which is what we all want. When we're, when we're in pain, we want to witness. At first, we don't want to be healed. We want somebody who really listens to the story, and sometimes several thousand times, which is part of what therapy is, is about. It's the witness to the story, no matter how many times we need to tell it, no matter how many versions of it. Each time, a little more comes out. And that's what post-traumatic stress is. It's a reawakening of the wound. It's like, didn't this heal? And an aspect of it did, but there's still more. You know, it is like, it's, a, it's like the telling of one's own myth. When we get to the wound, that's the awakening. That's the moment. Or that's the place that we couldn't face. So we need to tell the story again. And for those who are fortunate enough to have loved ones or friends around who will say, sure, tell it to me again. Or like a beloved child, they want to hear the story again, and particularly the story of their birth. That is just delightful for them. They were born out of nothing. It's all magic. So now the plan. So Inky knows that the nature of the underworld and it's ruled by a jealous, anguished Arishkagal. So that's also the jealous and anguished aspects of ourselves. So he also has the power to create and facilitate, and he creates from dirt under his fingernails the Kugara or the Galator, which are instinctual asexual creatures who Inky endows with the artistic and empathetic talent of being professional mourners, capable of mirroring the lonely queen's emotion. Remember, Arishkagel is mourning the death of her husband, the bull of heaven. Love these images. Uh, They are humble, non-heroic creatures, so they don't have a dog in this fight, that's for sure. And without definition or even the need to be separately defined, without any sense of what we call ego needs. These are asexual creatures that represent the attitude necessary to draw a blessing from the dark goddess. So that is a huge hint. If you want a blessing from the dark goddess, don't come in with attitude. You need to be egoless without, uh, in a sense, without opposition, just pure instinct. And Inky also instructs his creation on how to enter the underworld and how to deal with the Rishkigal, and he tells them how to recover Inanna from death. So these are great teachings. So this is, of course, psychic death, psychological death. Depression is a death. Certainly a death for the ego because it's like, hey, who put the lights out? I can't, how, how am I going to rule over darkness? I can't see. I can't see my shit. It's like you better believe it. 
And so these these places of dark, these places of of uh, digging in the dirt, these are holy places. If even once a day for one second become aware that wherever you stand, that is holy ground. The earth is holy. Every much as as uh, heaven and hell is holy. Hell is a holy ground. It's a state of being. Heaven and beyond. Holy. It's all holy. So when these little uh, beings come in, Arushkagal is mourning uh, with the cries of a woman who is about to give birth. And she complains both for her inside and her outside. So having willed Inanna's death, she can scarcely bear it. For Inanna is the other side of herself. So when you have fights or betrayals or battles within or without, it hurts so much because it's wounding yourself. When there's a beloved friendship that that needs adjustment, but the pride won't let that happen. How could they say that? Well, they could because there's some truth in it. You know, to the level that you won't allow something to grow or change um, or, or be looked at, well, you know, that's you've got something going on there. So Rishkegal, uh was also needing rebirth. So they're both in this, both aspects of the divine feminine, the sistership are in a transformational state of consciousness. So these little beasties can mourn and and carry on and scream and yell and suffer and suffer for her. And she feels related to her. Rishkiel finally feels related to. Not from an ego sense, because that's when all that nonsense happens when somebody gives you some pat answer and it's from the ego Oh, God, it's exhausted because it's completely unrelated. They think it's like truth on high, and it's it's nonsense. You might as well read the label to uh, the ingredients in some uh, sauce or something. That's not truly relating. It's really being able to blend and yet be separate, be empathetic to another suffering to hear the story. And then comes the awakening. So, you know, and recognizing that suffering is part of reverencing. You know, there's a big movement towards, well, is that positive or negative and don't be negative? No, you need to be both. I'm not saying to be bitter and be spitting out, you know, spewing evil and and curses all over the place. That's different. But the opposite is always as true. And we need them both. And by denying uh, the opposite as, as negative or bad, we don't realize that we are building a storehouse, a powder keg of shadow shit that's going to blow up at the most inappropriate but perfect moment in your own life. So 
the preciousness of, oh, I can't listen to that negativity, is, is a person that cannot tolerate the human condition, cannot witness another's suffering, cannot stand rooted as they're asked to uh, witness the suffering of another or the suffering of ourselves or witnessing within our own self. We turn from our own suffering and, I don't know, try to make ourselves feel better with an addiction or an overlay or something uh, or a new love. Uh, Instead of, no, I'm learning reverence. So the reverence is in this... uh, journey into the underworld, to the unknown, to meeting the parts of us that we never knew was there. So Arishkagal is so touched by the attention that these little beasties offer her and, and mirror her pain that she extends herself and offers gifts of fertility and growth. So that's a hint too. In death, we grow. Death is not the suspension of growth and creativity, which so often we think that. Because we didn't do our research. That's why it's so important to do uh, research and do myths and from around the world to see these different belief systems and how they were born and what works for you. What feels like the truth of, of your of your myth, the journey that you are walking upon this earth, the story that is in your soul that wants to be told? Because like the Gnostics, we are our own religion. Each person is a religion, is a connection to, to a divinity. And we need to just, and we can respect and honor and pay tribute and and uh, do rituals uh, to various religions. But in truth, we'll never understand it until we make it our own. What does that mean? So Arishkaga shows this, uh, this generosity. But the little deceased, uh, they, re- they re- refuse these gifts and ultimately ask Arishkagal for the most important gift, which is to give them uh, Inanna's corpse. They ask her to release part of her personal anguish and her despair and her anger, which which is embodied in the glorious goddess of love. They ask for the rotting body of Inanna powerful images. So when Arishkagal agrees to release her nemesis and thus part of her own pain, sometimes it's really hard to give up our pain. We're so identified with it. It's the only story we know. What's going to happen if we don't have a new chapter, if we haven't written something? And that's what happens where we get caught in in the, the victim archetype. We don't have a next chapter. And so we get caught in that, going around and around in that experience and that journey uh, because we don't quite yet have the strength 
to live another chapter and uh, discover the meaning. And I think this is all divine timing, too. Can't push growth, but is always present and, and ready to happen. Which is why, you know, artists and writers and uh, creative people very often have to repeat uh, a theme again and again and again. Same difference until they see all those different mirrored aspects. So, Rishka uh, Gal and uh, her generosity grants them. The gift of Inanna's corpse. And then the Anuna, A N N U N A, must maintain the rules of the underworld. But they must also deal with the fact that Inanna has been reborn in the underworld. So, in the middle of our depressions and our wounds and our addictions and all that stuff, we are being reborn. That's how we get the relief. So their tactic is to tell Inanna that she must provide someone in her place. In essence, Inanna cannot be allowed uh, to again forget her neglected, abandoned sister. That's why we have scars. That part of herself, that is Arishkigal. A passageway has been created from the great above the conscious to the great below, the unconscious, and it must be kept open. Thus the gala. The demons of the underworld, those who cannot be bribed, are assigned to an accompany Inanna as she leaves. So there's another great hint. Keeping the way of the underworld open, the way of the conscious and the unconscious. We do that through dream. We do that through active imagination. We do that through therapy. We do that through art. Uh, there's poetry. There's uh, so many, many, many ways that we keep that passageway open so we can listen to the below. So often in life, I'll be often ready to do something. And think, well, okay, yeah, fine. This this looks kind of cool. And I hear this other voice that goes, you know, you may want to rethink this. Or uh, uh, don't forget the ways of the underworld. You can't violate Psyche's laws in order to live in the world. It's like, oh, yeah, I got that. We need to remember. And we need to remember the tasks, the things that we did learn and continue to learn and refine, not just learn. The first learning is always the shock. It's like, what? Uh, But here we have it. So they are allowed to the replacement. So Inanna is restored to active life, but returns demonic, surrounded by the gala. She has met Arishkigal and knows the abysmal reality that all change and life demands sacrifice. So this is the knowledge that few would not flee from. Inanna comes up, loathsome, and claiming her right to survive, which is so true of all of us. The same fearsome characteristic of any woman or man coming out of hiding and ready to stand her ground. She's ready to roar. 
she's ready to growl. She's ready to bite. And so uh, not a lot of people are going to stick their hand in her mouth. So there she is. And then she has to choose her replacement. Hmm. Gee whiz. I wonder who that's going to be. Well, you're going to have to tune in next week to find out the uh, the choice that Inanna uses and the person she uses to replace her in the underworld. So there's another hint. The ways of the underworld are perfect. But there's always a sacrifice from one world into another. That is also what the symbol of the yin and yang. With this black, there's always a dot of white, and with this white, there's always a dot of black. That's the sacrifice. Meaning, we must make something sacred, too. That's what a sacrifice is. It eventually becomes holy. We're willing to give up, transform, to make it sacred. So we never really quite get out of the making, the soul-making process, which is kind of cool, because it's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the only game in town. So till next week, when we find out who Anana rips from the throne and is sent into the underworld. Bye-bye.